Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Listeners, if you've been following along for a long time, you know my husband has been deployed, but that is over and done. He has been home at the time of releasing this podcast for a week, and we are getting ready to move Okanis to Hawaii. So I am going dark on interviews. That's just an FYI. Um, But you can still send me your pitches if you want to be part of this, and you can send me any of your sponsorship opportunities, collaborations, all of that. Please don't kick me out.com, but just letting you know that I am out of pocket for the next few months. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy, and I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer, uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs, we're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. This week's episode features Cairo Ali, a well-to-do drag performer in the United Kingdom who is also focusing on their law degree. This is a really exciting episode, so I can't wait to share it with you. Please enjoy. It's going great, thank you. Uh, I am, you know, happy to have you on this little podcast, which is, of course, please don't kick me out, a podcast about imposter syndrome and the lovely voice you're hearing coming all the way. I'm sure you heard the accent you're coming all the way from England is Cairo. Cairo, would you like to tell my listeners who you are, what you do, your elevator pitch, etc.? Yep. So thank you so much for having me, first of all. I am Cara Ali. I'm a 21-year-old drag queen and law student from Oxford in, yeah, the UK. I absolutely love this. And you reached out to me. Um, I loved I loved your story. I loved your perspective. Um, I just really feel like um, you are someone that has a unique voice. Um, so I'm excited to have you on here. And thank you so much for reaching out to me. It's always an honor and a privilege when my podcast touches someone in some way and they, they resonate with it. And then, of course, it's always an honor to have you uh, to have my you know have guests from all over the world. So I love this, and I'm a, such a huge stand for drag and drag performances. Um, so I'm excited to kind of have your perspective for everyone. So but I'm I'm gonna ask you a f- question first, um, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, uh, yeah. regarding UK Drag Race. Um, what did you think of this season? Oh, it was so good, and that's it's the second season now. And I think mm-hmm. with the first one. Um, it didn't get that much attention but the second one I feel like everyone's watching mm-hmm. like a lot of people in the because I have friends in the US as well mm-hmm. and they're watching that one now which they didn't watch that of the first one so it just shows its reach it's getting so big and I, I love this season I don't did you watch it I did I did I um I, I could tell that Lawrence had the edit to win 
However, I really was, was hoping say. for Bimini. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I was like, is this an error? Was there a mistake? But no, I'm happy for Lauren. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you have you been watching, you've watched, do you watch Drag Race in the United States? Um, yeah. Okay. So there's always the edit of whoever's winning. There's the villain edit. There's the um, there's the Drag Race All-Stars edit. There's the, you know, all sorts of different edits. And, and you can kind of tell based on how the confessionals are going, like who's going home. But UK like kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. I was actually kind of expecting Tace or Bimini to take it. I Maybe not Tace, but, you know, I just, I, I Lawrence was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but anyway, I, I guess my other unpopular opinion about it was that I felt like Ellie Diamond didn't really get a chance to shine because Lawrence and her were both Scottish and Rue took a shining to Lawrence over Ellie and I thought Ellie was stunning uh, and quite a great performer as well so I just I think like if they were to do a UK in the future perhaps just one Scottish queen <laughs> but and, and one Welsh queen and then like you know different people from different shires or whatever but I, I definitely thought that the second season was far better, more captivating than the first season. But to be honest, sometimes uh, I, I would get a little bored because I don't get the references all the time. I, I definitely, um. I've dated a guy from the UK. I dated him for a year. I've gone, I've grown up going to the UK constantly. Um, all, I've been all over it. Uh, but I just, yeah, I, 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 some, some of the references, and I'm a pretty well-versed person, some of the references I just didn't get, like if it was pop culture or EastEnders, like I had no idea. I was like, uh, yeah. I don't know what that is. But, I bet Snatch yeah. Game, I bet Snatch Game, did you know any of the characters that Snatch were Game being played? Was so hard for me because I had no idea. But first season, the Donald Trump one was hilarious. And, um, and I just, I, you know, it was, it was a whole hoot. And um, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, I look at Snatch Game and I don't even remember who did what. <laughs> oh, the winner Bimini did Katie Price. I don't know if she's known or if you know her. Mm -mm. No, she was like the original, like the Kim Kardashian of the UK. Ah. She had like her own show. She was known to be like this glamour model. Um, yeah, oh. and even like, I think there was a tweet a while ago where Kim Kardashian was actually a big fan of Katie Price. She used yeah. to go by the name Jordan. She was like the original like reality TV kind of personality. Um, and she's that. really, really big in the UK. So I was shocked when I found out that a lot of people didn't actually know who she was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I appreciate you telling me about that. And I appreciate like, that's, that, that's now it's like, if I ever have a question about UK drag race, I'm just going to message you be like, Cairo, <laughs> explain to me like I'm five. I don't know what this means. But yeah, I, I also so one of my uh, I was on a podcast um, the, uh, with uh, two people from the UK and we're talking about the differences between USA and UK and um, they asked like they, they asked me or they told me when we were talking about the, the drag race in the UK versus USA, um, which I have my own opinions on. They said uh, they asked me, they said, well, well, why we don't get the references all the time. And it, to be fair, like. I bet that would be hard if you're not super versed in the pop culture or or you don't really know like just random things that weren't popular or didn't cross the sea. So um so it's so it's interesting because I because I I you know watch and I fully understand it. Um but in regards to the UK drag, um one of my friends is Charlie Hydes, who is in London, but Charlie's uh, okay. an expat, right? So Charlie's a dear, dear, humble friend. And I met Charlie through the Bingo Bunch because Charlie does Isolation Bingo every Sunday. He does a UK version and they do a USA version. And I've been playing virtually since August, but they, we've done it, he's been doing it. They've been doing it for a whole year. So, um, so 
something that Charlie said on one of the bingos was that they appreciated that that the UK queens um, are the full package. Like you have to be funny and campy and entertaining and strappy. And it's kind of like the roots and some, the US version of drag race is like, it's the Olympics of drag. And so I've gone to DragCon in the past and I really appreciate drag, um, but I am now far more jazzed about my local Queens mm -hmm. because it's just more relatable to me. Cause like once you're on drag race, you're like larger than life. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Yeah, it takes it away, you know? Yeah, because I think that's the thing. A lot of people are fans of, they say they're fans of drag, but are they fans of drag race or actual drag? Exactly. Whereas being like local, I, um, in the beginning of the year, I used to host viewing parties for, it was a season just before, so season 12. Season 12, mm -hmm, I had mm -hmm. Jada on. And like, so we would have, it would be me and then maybe one other local queen hosting it. And literally no one would come. We would maybe had a few people, but <gasps> then it, we had like the Vivian who won. We had the Vivian, we had uh, Cheryl from like the UK season. Did we have, I think that might've been it, do a few shows there and it was packed. Like and suddenly everyone was there, yeah. like sold out nights. And that's the thing. I just think, yeah, that a lot of people are big fans of Drag Race, but then forget about the more local queens. Exactly, exactly. And so that's something I've tried to like, ever since going to DragCon and like, seeing RuPaul in the flesh and Melissa, Michelle, myself, Michelle Visage and, and, you know, Ross Matthews and all of that and Nicole Byer. Like it was all of that. It was a lot. It was like, wow, that's crazy cool. And it wasn't until my husband hired a local queen for my birthday last year. Her name is uh, Courtney. She, my listeners will know she's already been a guest of this podcast at the time of releasing this. Um, she is a black trans queen um, in San Diego and she is incredible. Um, one of one of my favorite performers locally, um, and uh, she really invigorated my 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 need to get into the scene out here, because I wasn't super connected in Denver to the local drag queens. I knew, of course, Evie Oddly. I knew Lithia Moreau's a friend I went to high school with, but I didn't really know anyone else, and I didn't really have the time or the bandwidth because I was getting ready to move and, and this that and the other to really get into it but San Diego and Southern California in general is such a huge market for it a marketplace for it that it's actually really awesome to be able to connect with local queens the way that I have um, San Diego is known for Chad Michaels um, who actually just celebrated a birthday and all of my favorite local queens are friends with Chad because they've been you know they've been doing it forever or or Chad mm -hmm. was a mentor to them and so yeah I agree with you I think like it's way I think it's way more I don't know I, I guess I have more fandom now for for actual local drag than I do I still love RuPaul's Drag Race I still love every season and I and I and I love to follow the queens but I care far more for my local scene for definitely sure. and when I started out as well I was very much like that I wanted to be like the Rue girls and I would only watch Drag Race so when I first got into my local scene in Oxford I was shocked that a lot of the queens um because at this when was this this was a few years back a lot of the local queens and kings here well I didn't know what kings was so I was shocked to see that and then I was shocked to find out a lot of the local queens here are actually women and I was a bit ignorant to the fact because I've only watched Drag Race I thought like oh I thought drag was just you know men dressing mm, as women mm -hmm. and then I yeah so I was kind of like that as well yeah um, there's like a whole thing out there and there's so much more to learn there's so much more to drag than that oh yeah drag. yeah it's, it's 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 really nuts and like I mean we, we have to thank RuPaul for like breaking the barriers I mean in the United States 
this is the first time that the a season has aired on mainstream television not to mention mainstream television plus a trans female to male non-binary person like that's that's groundbreaking um it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that that Rue's done some things that are questionable towards trans people but it is a, a a nicely wrapped somewhat apology we can't forget we can't forget that that a lot of our other trans queens like Peppermint or Gia Gunn or whatever um, have kind of been overlooked in that situation and now we're championing Gottmik. Although I do, I am here for Gottmik and I do think she does deserve praise. Sometimes I think she gets a little too much. Yeah. So that's unpopular and I know that, but I do think she's great. But I, and I, and I like that she's breaking this, this stereotype of, oh, I'm, I, it doesn't matter like what my gender is. It doesn't matter who I am. I'm doing drag and this is drag and it's an art. And it doesn't matter if I'm king or queen. I'm I'm doing drag, so I like that about her too. And so I, I think it's it's helping people normalize and equalize and understand it. Um, and at the time of recording this, we it, this week was um, on on Wednesday, no, Thursday was a Trans Day of Visibility. Um, yeah. Was it Wednesday? It, anyway, it was this week. It was Wednesday because mm-hmm. I went to a show, I went to a drag show on Tuesday. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, just I'm so jealous. Uh, well, Are your shows in person at the minute? Like, can you go? Yes. To a show? Yes. But the, the capacity, yeah, it's only outside. It's only at, well, it's San Diego. So it's nice. It's only outside. It's very limited capacity. Um, you're basically, you can't order. It used to be you couldn't order f- drinks without food. And now it's, you, food is suggested eventually, but you don't need to. Um, the bars and the restaurants and everything close at uh, close at 10 so that people don't go crazy so that COVID doesn't continue to spread. Our infection rate went from a 90% to a 20% because of the vaccines. And um, we're vaccinating like crazy. I've already had my half, my first half dose and had my second dose on Tuesday, which I'm a little nervous about. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more protected having one half of a dose, but I don't take that vaccine as a reason that I'm like, can go like out and party yeah, and whatever. I, mean. I just, right before recording this, I had, a, I'm, I gotta tell you, Cairo, I had a freaking panic attack. I went into a store for the first time in over a month and no one was like, everyone, no one was like giving me space. And I started to have an anxiety attack. Like, cause I was just like, I don't go into a store anymore. If I can't get it delivered, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very careful. My husband's deployed. And my thing was, if I get sick, who is taking care of me? He's gone, yeah. you know? So um, I've been very careful in limiting my exposure and making sure that all of my friends, you can't trust it, but making sure all my friends are safe and do safe things. And they say that you can't really test your pod. And it's just like, we're at a point now where um, we're a lot less cancely, I feel, at least. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot less cancely on people because there is the vaccine. So if they're vaccinated, like, I don't really want to like, I know it doesn't stop the spread. It just helps it not hurt you as badly. And it helps, they don't know if it's gonna stop the spread of transmission. So that's my soapbox, I'll get off of it. Cause I had someone come for me a little bit on, on, you you went to a drag show. I was like, yeah, outdoors, (laughs) bud. Like, Um, and I didn't touch the queens. You can't touch the queens. You have to like turn, you have to turn that, you have to crumple the dollars and throw them at them. It's kind of hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right now we have been, on like a lockdown uh-huh. since oh, when it was before Christmas I think it was maybe Christmas Eve they put us on lockdown which was great because then people couldn't see their families so nothing is open at the minute only essential shops just last week they gave us a kind of bit of freedom so we can now meet up with up to six people but only outside um, and that was the first time since December so none of our clubs are open nothing just like supermarkets 
Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I can't wait to actually like be able yeah. to see a drag show. In yeah, and be- June or May yeah. they're saying. Ooh. Yeah, and before we hop into it, yeah, I'm like I'm really sad because I know that Charlie will eventually not be doing virtual bingo anymore. I mean, the opportunities that have come through the bingo bunch before we hop into it, um, uh, have been amazing. I one of the people that plays bingo, the USA version, uh, is uh, Gwen Stefani's makeup artist, Gregory Earl. Gregory came on my podcast and it blew my podcast the fuck up. Charlie's been on my podcast um, and uh, just lovely, lovely, like lovely things have happened from just being open in the virtualness. But I will say when we, when people don't want to Zoom anymore and people don't want to call me anymore, I'm going to feel sad because I'm moving to Hawaii. So it's like, I'm moving away from my entire, and we'll, we'll come back, but I'm moving away from all of my friends and my, my, my queens and my, my scene, my heart, which is Hillcrest, which is our, which is our predominantly gay neighborhood in San Diego, which has a lot of history. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for you to be able to get out there eventually and, and go and perform. Um, but uh, again, I'm so grateful to have you on this podcast. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that our paths have crossed because I think that what you have to say is profound. So let's hop into the first question, which is, of course, do you feel like we, you have it all figured out? Uh, no, not in the slightest. Um, I, I don't think anyone has and I don't think you ever do which I explain a bit more later Mm -hmm. um I I truly believe like for as long as you're here on the earth I don't think you have everything figured Mm -hmm. out I don't think anyway I don't think I've personally met anyone at any age who's like yeah I'm sorted yeah Mm -hmm. I always I make the joke that if like someone was like yeah for sure I've got it all figured out and like don't you know I'm like you're in the wrong zoom bud where'd you get this link (laughs) Who gave you the password? <laughs> Russia? Is that you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I say I say that with kindness. Really, I agree. You you have to change the goalpost. If the goalpost isn't changing, then you're not changing. Because like once you get to the oasis that you're looking for, then there's another oasis beyond in the distance. Like that is life. Like we have you know biologically over time evolved to go from hunter gathering to you know having to be on the go constantly and forage for ourselves to basically creating this entire society and it's it's just bonkers and so it's 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 natural for us to not have it all figured out because we weren't put on this earth to do the things we're doing <laughs> you know <laughs> and i wonder if anyone has answered yes to that before if they still think that after the covid thing because how can we have it all figured out yeah. when we've been in and out of lockdowns? We've been restricted on what we can do. Right? I would be so, well, I, w- I wish I would have known because I got laid off from my job in, in March of last year and I started this podcast because I'd always wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, oh, I got laid off. Okay, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this podcast. And I'd learned how to produce a podcast through through work because my boss wanted to, he wanted to be like one of those big podcast guys like Gary Vee or Joe Rogan, which is basically just like mm-hmm. applesauce for boring dads and, and, and toxic masculinity. <laughs> so um, whatever, don't come for me, Joe Rogan. You're not listening to this podcast. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so I started doing this and um, I've never, not once, I've had people say, I, yes, I think I'm figuring it out. Or yes, as I've gotten older, I figured out a lot of different things, but no, I don't have everything figured out. So yes. And the reason why I asked that question is because when you walk into a room and you go, you look around, right? Maybe it's the first day of class for you, right? And it's a new, it's a new year or, or whatever. And you look around the room 
and your immediate react, your immediate thought as a human, 99% of the time is, oh shit, everyone's smarter than me. Oh, everyone's smarter than me. I'm not supposed to be here. What am I doing here? I mean, I would feel that way constantly. Or, um, when I ended up getting the job as a marketing director and I'd earned it, I'd been working for 10 years. I'd earned that title. Um, I remember doing a meeting and just being so panicked that I was like going to present this thing. And I was just so nervous, but I knew it. I knew the material because I'd been doing it for 10 years. I knew what I was doing, but I just remember like looking at the, all of the people on my sales team and being like, they think I'm stupid. And then of course the presentation ends and everyone comes up to me and they're like, that's so great. I want to learn more about this. Like, let me, how can I learn more? How can you, can we set up a meeting? Like, and so it was received so well. It was my first presentation. And and I was like, why did I worry? Because it was fine. Yeah. Like the worst thing didn't happen. Uh, the worst thing that happened every day worrying that I was going to get laid off was I got laid off and then I didn't <laughs> die. So, yeah, you know, we're fine. <laughs> and I, I have that, like you said, going into class, I had that so much in the beginning. I still have that now, but so much in the beginning of my university experience, my first year, which is about three years ago now, um, because growing up in school and in college um when I say college as well in the UK college is like High before school. university mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so it's it's a bit different but in school and both in college I was always told by like teachers and stuff that I wasn't capable of getting into doing law mm -hmm. um I was always in like the bottom set classes mm -hmm. which learn like the basics I was never in like the top classes with the really smart people and so when I did get my results for my exams um, and got into university, it was like, oh, wait, he did this. So then I, I was like, okay, I had a boost of confidence from that. But then when I got into university and I started doing the content, I was like, oh, okay, I got in. But now all those like voices from school that told me I wasn't good enough came flooding in, even though I'd passed the exams and I had got in with flying colors. I, there was still that voice there, you know, that was like, you maybe need to be careful and humble yourself a little bit. Yeah, I don't standardize test well. So I always thought I was stupid, you know, and I, 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 I would. So for me, like, I don't standardize test well, but I knew I was like creative and, and kooky and, and all of that. And 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 so when I went got into college, I wanted to be an art major. Um, and so I, you know, I thought that was really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a graphic designer and I took one semester and the same imposter syndrome creeped on in. And it was like, Ooh, everyone's way more talented than me. I don't like this. I'm not doing well. I need to switch majors. So I switched majors and, um, I switched majors to journalism because I was, a uh, my, my newspaper editor all through high school, big old nerd. And, uh, and then I, I fell into radio DJing when people always tell me, people do tell me not to toot my own horn, but people tell me you sound very comfortable. You can talk. And I was like, one, I have, un I had undiagnosed ADHD for 30 going on 31 years Two, uh, I, I did a ra I was a radio DJ throughout college. Cause I loved it. I volunteered to do it. And then also I just kind of under, like, that's just like, I've always just really loved people and I have people that come onto my podcast all of the time saying like, they're so nervous. They're like worried. It's going to sound really stupid. And then I publish their episode and they're like, oh my gosh, this didn't sound dumb at all. What was I, what was I worried about? What was I, what was the big hang up? And so that 
all of this is lending into the next question because I love to ask it because I think, I think imposter syndrome, it's so human and it's so valid and real, but it's so different to everyone of how they feel it. So do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Um, I, I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome, um, especially the main, the new, the like two main parts is in my drag career, my legal career. Um, um, but to me, I think imposter syndrome is like, like I mentioned that voice in like the back of your head, like the inner saboteur, like they say on Drag Race. It's like that voice that always like, I say it's humbling me. <laughs> That's what I like to say, because whenever I get confident or comfortable in a position or anything, it's always like, but remember when you did this, remember when this happened, remember how you messed up here, this could happen like right now. Um, that, 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 that voice is like imposter syndrome for me. And I get it like all the time in both drag and law. Yeah. So how do you, like what, like what, when you're in doing drag, like, is it like the feeling of like, oh, these Queens are more talented than me or, oh, like maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm just like the last minute booking or um, like, maybe I don't deserve to be booked on headlining or whatever. Is it kind of like that? Or is it more um, just not feeling like you have a space in the, in, in drag? Um, I think with drag, the thing is that before drag race, actually, I wasn't before drag race, I think I was really young. So I wasn't, I wasn't in the drag scene, but the, the way that drag is in the U S and we spoke about this a bit earlier, is that they they have the, they have like padding they have like corsets mm -hmm. they're very poised they have these big expensive gowns and I think before Drag Race drag in the UK was never like that at all mm -hmm. it wasn't so polished it was very much um, just like H and M uh, <laughs> yeah literally H and M a hard front uh, wig and just providing like yeah. entertainment to mm -hmm. a crowd and I think with drag now that I think the UK king, queens have seen how big Drag Race is. Now the fans want the local queens to be in these gowns and oh. stuff. And I think now there's like a pressure when you go out in drag to be like, you have to yeah. be like a Rue girl. You have, even though you haven't got the budget, you don't make even half amount that these girls oh, do. Yeah. You have to perform that well as well. And um, I think that's one thing with drag as well. It's like people expect so much now. Mm -hmm. um, whereas before in the UK, it was more just about entertaining the crowd and not the look. Yeah, yeah. Have you, okay, that, I mean, I love that. And it's, it's a really hot take, but it's actually, it's real. If you think about it, the first time I ever went to a local drag show, I was, ex I hate to say it, but I was expecting a RuPaul experience and it was not. And, and that was right before I moved to Denver. It wasn't, it was not, it was different and it was better. And here's why. One, I went to high school with the queen, one of the queens on the billet. I accidentally went there and I had the time of my life and there was no bachelorette, no hen parties um, or um, annoying drunk birthday girls. It was just pure, just drag brunch in a small gay bar in Denver with my friends. And it was a great experience. Do sometimes I want that high level circuit experience? Yeah, I had tickets to go to Trixie Mattel to, to see her live and meet her. And then COVID happened and I got my ticket refunded um, because the, the tour was canceled. And like, so that kind of thing, it's like, it's like I, I live for local, but sometimes I wanna pay for larger than life. 
So yeah. I'm like, you, you, but, but not everyone can see that because sometimes drag is like an afterthought. It's like, unless you truly love it and you're passionate about it, like myself and like see your, I see myself in drag um, in terms of uh, whenever I hear the Queens in the workroom talking on RuPaul's Drag Race, I hear them, you hear imposter syndrome come out all of the time. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's basically RuPaul's Drag Race imposter syndrome edition, because, you know, they're talking about their shortcomings or their failures or, or, or not feeling like they're valued or having a seat at the table. And then, you know, I know it's not verbalized as often in the local scene, but when you sit one-on-one -on -one with a local queen and you talk to them, or if I talk to them, eventually it comes out that they feel like, oh, well, I'm not getting booked enough, or I, I don't know if I should stop doing this and go back into a career, you know? And so I think it's prevalent in drag for sure. Um, oh, more so definitely. during the pandemic as well, because, um, I don't know, did you watch the lockdown episode of Drag Race UK? Yeah, it was interesting. Know. Yeah, and they said how, like, basically the British government forgot about drag performers. They were, a lot of them had to go through, like, the government systems of claiming money through the government because mm -hmm. there was just no jobs for them at all. We were completely forgotten about. Um, so I think it shook a lot of people up, especially that, because now it's been, like, I mean, our clubs were open for, like, a month or two, and then when they were open, we had... The restrictions are where it's only until 10 p.m. and a lot of the queens aren't even on stage till like 10 mm -hmm. here, 11. So yeah, I think it was one of those things where it's like in like a click with that lockdown straight away, people were out of a job, and yeah, those those thoughts I think goes through every queen's head now, even like the ones who are the top performers because taste. Um, before Drag Race, she was very big in the UK anyway. She was, well, from my personal experience of what I knew about Tases, she was booked in London all the time. She was booked not just in London, but Manchester, Birmingham, everywhere. And even she said on the lockdown one that she had to like claim uh, benefits from the government because she was just out of a job like that. And so I think like that thought process that you just mentioned is through every queen now. Yeah. But here's what I will say. I mean, one, if I've always, I collect unemployment or I was collecting unemployment, I, it might, unemployment just ran out and I'm like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to re I'm not going to reinstate it because what I was doing with it was I was stimulating the local economy, tipping local Queens, bartenders, people who were out of work um, as much as I could. And then the rest would go into savings for my husband and I, but I, appreciated that the drag community and I didn't see this anywhere else. I saw the music community kind of sit on their thumbs and be like, what do we do? I saw comedy kind of sit on their thumbs and be like, what do we do? All this entertainment and television kind of be like, ah, panic. I didn't see, I didn't see them come to virtualness as fast as they should have, but you know who did go virtual and went virtual very quickly? Drag Queens. Literally. Right. Um, and they I've set the stage. So many different Queens mm -hmm. now. Like yeah. I did, I just hosted and organized a local show, which was for charity called March the Drag. And I think there was like, there was me, there was a few others from the UK. And then there was like a few queens from Australia and a few queens from America as well. And that would have never happened um, before where we all mm -hmm. came together and we all did a virtual show and we all got to like chat, even though it was over like Zoom, it was still like nice to meet drag queens kings and all of that around the world yeah yeah 
Um, I'm reading your, your answer to this and you, you talk about being, you know, acting um, a little bit and, yeah. and just kind of, it, it, it just reminds me of like that one moment where I, you can explain it, but that one moment where it really hits you. And then you just kind of like wear that with you and like that anxiety with you and everything. And Honestly. it reminds me. Yeah. Literally. So this was, so I did acting uh, from a young age and this particular moment, I think I was about 13, maybe even younger. And I was in a play and I forgot what the play was, but I was, I was one of the main characters and we had to, the story was basically, there's a plane crash and all these people, it's really sad. Uh, people had to say goodbye to their families. Oh my God, this was 13? Honestly, literally. And this is about 9-11? What, who, who, who chose um, to do this? I don't think it was based on a, <laughs> I don't think it was based on the story, but um, yeah, it was really sad. And um, I've, I don't usually forget my lines during anything, but this one moment where it was my line and I was on the phone to um, my family saying goodbye and then I just forgot. And oh, there no. was a crowd and everything. I forgot my whole line. And <laughs> oh no! And after that line, I was supposed to die. So <laughs> instead of saying my line, there was a pause for probably about two minutes in front of what the was wrong with this acting. I'm sorry, I'm not over that yet. Like, let's have a play about a plane crash and like parents have their video recordings up. Oh my god, I was ah! literally 12 30. Yeah, horrible, <laughs> honestly. And um, but no, I, the, I forgot my lines completely. And then I just like, we just carried on with the scene. Um, but yeah, it was that moment where I forgot my lines. And now in drag, because we do some choreograph numbers, um, I haven't done acting for a while, but I carried this when I was doing acting as well. I'd always think of that one moment when I'm trying to remember something. So if I'm like doing a dance routine, I'm like, yeah. okay, you're gonna forget this because remember that time when you was 13 doing that yeah. play yeah. and you forgot your lines. Um, or even in, in law exams as well, because it crosses yeah. over when you have to memorize so much. I'm always like, oh, you know, you're going to forget it. Because remember that time where you just had a mind blank in that play <laughs> that you had been practicing for for weeks before that. So, at, you know, that moment's always like in my head. And it's weird because it was a little play and I doubt anyone in the audience even remembers it. <laughs> but I do. I've kept it with me yeah. <laughs> that whole time. Um, and yeah, when I do like legal arguments, cause we do practice legal arguments at uni, um, you know, you plan them out and I'm like, there's no point doing a script cause I'm just going to forget it anyway. No. Like, and just wing it, just wing know, it. I'm going to blank it. That's literally what, like, what's going on in my head. That's literally what I'm thinking. Like, you're going to forget it. What's the point? Don't waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, uh but that's actually better because like uh, it kind of lends into authenticity right like you know what you know and like you don't sometimes you just don't need that that bumper rail you know like uh like you you're gonna speak from the heart you're gonna speak from what you know um and so I I, I honestly feel like sometimes like if I have a script or something like I I it sounds way clunkier than if I was to just you know say what I was gonna say <laughs> And yeah hope for the best honestly yeah it's just that yeah. one like the that's what imposter syndrome is to me really like just that voice because and then I have this during social situations as well and another story time which actually involves um Ellie Diamond from Drag Race well, I'm glad I said oh. nice things about her 
so I went to we had this thing called Drag World um, in the UK which mm-hmm. was like it's basically drag con um, it just isn't made by like the RuPaul's Drag Race people and um, I was talking to Ellie Diamond me and my friend uh, we were just standing there talking to her she was really nice this was way before Drag Race this is like 2018 time and um, oh my god so she was five <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> Well, you're young too. I shouldn't say that. Okay. Pause for a sec. One thing I don't understand is the ageism in RuPaul's Drag Race. Like who's to say that a 21 year old is not equally as talented as a 52 year old. Okay. Like, so like they, I feel like Ellie was, was not given a shining to haha pun intended diamond uh, because she was young. And that was, that was their reasoning. Oh, well, you're young. It's like, no, that's, did she say some stupid things? Yes, because mm-hmm. we think we're very smart in our twenties and we are not. So yeah. um, you don't know what you don't know, but honestly, I, I just, I never understood it. How does, how does a tenure make you more talented or like in the current season with Tamisha Amon, it was like, yeah, you've been around forever. You're amazing. You're an older queen. We got it. But like, you mm-hmm. just didn't come to the table. <laughs> literally and yeah. two things about that as well especially within the uk well first thing lawrence they made out lawrence was really old lawrence was only like 26 so, or 24 i think oh man oh what a geezer oh gotta bring a wheelchair and a walker like literally and people think lawrence is like this old dragon i'm like no come on and the second thing panto dame so they have the panto dame by the mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. um and panto dames are like what I haven't got with Drag Race through the first two seasons is that there hasn't been any Panto Dame queens on, queens from the theatre, because I think that's where a lot of the UK drag comes from. That's how a lot of, um, yeah, that's where it like, originates from in the UK is from the pantomime. So I'm shocked there hasn't been any like Panto queens on yet. Um, they all seem to be very influenced by the US season, I think to be honest, uh, with the exception of like bag of chips, because bag of chips is like British. Like you just look at you just this. She's so funny. Whereas she's she's UK, a hoot. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. UK, like the Panto Dames. Yeah, I had to I, I had to Google drag. it. And then I Literally. and then I was like, well no, I had to Google it because but but I know because I, I I don't know why. Why wouldn't you? I don't know why there's no like Panto Queens that have been on the show yet because it's such a key part of uh drag culture in the UK. Yeah. Um I don't, maybe maybe it's because they're looking for something in particular because a lot of these queens are like well me included as well a lot of us go for more looks based whereas panto is very it's very different and I really want to see that represented um in the UK drag race because yeah. it's in the UK scenes as well it's not like a a thing that's just like died out no but it's it's very popular I mean it it, it originated from the theater like back in the day like I mean, I went, to, I went to see, I know it's not the original Globe Theater. My mom really wanted to go to it. Um, my mom's like obsessed with the UK. Like she had like, she grieved for a whole month when Princess Diana died. Like it's, it's, she's a lot, um, but I love her. And uh, anyway, we went to the goal, we went to the Globe Theater and um, you know, like I was kind of like going through the museum and they, they talk about it. And so I, I just didn't put two and two together, but that's what you call it. Um, but yeah, so um, I, I'm so sorry I squirreled you off topic because you were talking about LA Diamond. I just had to, I just had to pause because I because I made the joke. Oh, well, they're five. Anyway, so go back to what so you're talking to her at Drag World. Yeah, Drag World. Um, because she she had her own booth um and she was selling wigs. And bear in mind, 
we were talking, but we weren't talking at this booth to just give a bit of background. Mm -hmm. We were just, we were walking through kind of, it was like four of us. And then we get to this booth and there's a wig there. And you know, it's, it's a nice wig, but it was really expensive. <laughs> okay, yeah. bear in mind, this is her booth. And I go, I'm with them. I'm like, oh, whose booth is this? Like, these wigs are way too overpriced. And then she was oh, like, no. yeah, that, they're mine. <laughs> this is my booth. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't want to be like, oh no, I didn't mean it. But I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And she took it really well. Like I, I do like Ellie. Um, but at that moment is a replace to me because whenever I'm in, that was obviously so awkward. So whenever, whenever I'm in like social settings, that's like a, a situation I think about where uh -huh. I'm like, remember that time when you was really awkward and you said something before thinking, and now I take that uh, with me, especially when meeting new people, I kind of like shy away. Um, and I think of moments like that with Ellie Diamond. Um, well, yeah, to go back into that, um, I, she probably took it well because she's, her, she's, she's charging for her craft, which is something that when you're young and you don't have money because you're a poor student, you don't, you don't understand like that, like people are charging their value and which, which, I mean, I think like it's an awkward situation, of course, and, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like the amount of times that like my friends who work in their own business, either photography or whatever, like the people will be like, I want to cut corners. It's too expensive. Or like if I, so I have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel um, and in the United States, they're quite expensive and I'm sure they are in the UK as well. And they have a lot of health problems. And so if you want a Cavalier puppy, you have to pay quite a fair bit of money. My dog was mm -hmm. close to $4,000 and he's not even show quality. So imagine like show quality is probably even more. And I made sure that he had, you know, certified, of course you can never guarantee it, but certified health, spine, eyes, all of that and heart, because those are things that they can have. They're sweet little dogs, but they bless them. They can get very, very sick and they're pro genetically prone to a heart condition. So um, that enlarges the heart and it atrophies. So anyway, the amount of times that I've seen someone post in the groups I'm in, whether it's military or whether it's um, a Cavalier group or the Hawaii Cavalier group is the worst for it, um, where they're like, I want a puppy, but I don't want to, I don't want it to cost an arm and a leg. Oh, okay. So you want to get a backyard bred dog that's going to die. Literally, yeah. And give and give and give money that doesn't need to go where it's supposed to go because breeding dogs, it's for the integrity of the dog and the breed. You you breed the dogs for the best quality traits. I'm now on a weird tangent, but the point is, is that you cut if you ask for cutting corners, then you are going to get a shittier product for for your price point. And so I think that might be why she took it well because they. I don't think you meant it meanly. I think no, you were like, wow, this is gorgeous, but it's very expensive. Oh shit, is that what wigs cost? That I, if I want this look, is that what it's gonna cost me? Yeah, literally. Um, I, yeah, like she didn't, she took it really well and we just laughed it off. But it's just that moment of being like, whenever I meet new people, I'm like, well, don't act like this because I remember when you said that, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's it yeah. back in my head, but I, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's just working with that voice in your head I think yeah yeah absolutely and then you also talked about uh imposter syndrome through through law so do you want to touch on like anything within that yeah so a common phrase that a lot of law students and I think a lot of young people say is like oh what are we doing with our lives like we're all doomed 
<laughs> but to be honest, we're all doing quite well. Like we're in, we're in university, we're studying, but we're always like, oh, we're doomed, you know, we're, we're never going to get a job. We're never going to get anywhere. Um, I think it's really common for young people, especially, well, there was a study done as well, which is what actually kind of brought me to this podcast even more is that law in the UK is the most common for mental health issues and is the most common for like severe imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like it is really common within law students. Um, and I can see why, because yeah. law is so competitive. Yes. I mean, I've had people come, <laughs> this is, I laugh, I laugh this off now, but people have come up to me, um, whether I'm at uni and they're like, ah, oh, what do you study? And I say law and they're like, oh, that's so competitive. You'll never get a job. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> like, yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, it is so competitive and I mm -hmm. bet it's the same. I've, this is oh, a I, yeah. Now. Well, I bet it's the yeah. same in America. And it is. I nearly went to, it's, it's funny you mentioned San Diego. I got into San Diego State. Oh um, my God, you would have loved it. Uh, and then COVID happened. Um, oh, no. I got my place <laughs> last March. And then they never, well, they, they said I could go, but it would be done basically for Zoom. And I was like, oh, I'm not paying for that. I'll just stay in the UK and just finish my degree here. But yeah, I was actually supposed to go to San Diego State to do... Oh. Um, Oh criminal my justice, God. I think we could have been real life friends literally oh but you know I think I think you made the right choice unfortunately with COVID because San Diego State like like you're not allowed on campus like oh. there's just and and they're there but then like they're all partying and stuff because it's like they like, it's undergrad and also grad and postgrad um, my my friend Amanda Mooney she's a lovely lovely human she got her law degree um she got her she went to law school, sorry. Like I'm trying to like think of the right words and terminology. When she went to law school at, at UCSD and um, and she's lovely, she's Scottish. Her family comes from, uh, her family owns a, a distillery um, that then came to America. She's a, she's wicked fun. I love her, she loves drag. So she's a good, 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 good human that I've met through um, something else virtually. Uh, but she lives in LA now, but she always tells me about like the, the old stomping grounds, like where she used to go up and down Hillcrest. And I was like, you're so cool. <laughs> um, and now it's me, but to, to go back to law being competitive. Yes, it absolutely is. It's competitive. I had a boyfriend that I had in college and he was working on his, he was in grad school, finishing his grad school. Then he got, then he tested and he was a lower rung percentile than he would have hoped. And he really wanted to go to Boston college, but it didn't work out that way. He ended up going to Washington and Lee, which is in Virginia. And I, we broke up because we were not meant to be together. And also like, I question his sexuality, but, um, <laughs> which is like unfair of me to say <laughs> I'm an inclusive <laughs> podcast, but I really wonder that was a very masculine name that he cheated me on me with. So whatever. Uh, I, it didn't matter because I was also a garbage trash monster as well and cheated on him. So that was like the one time I've ever cheated on anyone ever. And I would mm -hmm. never do it again. And they taught me a lot, but long story short, it was so competitive, like to get in there. And then, and then I remember like, we, we only dated for about a month while he was just starting. And it was like, you have to go to mixers and you have to show face and you have to like, you know, kiss mm -hmm. a bunch of ass and like brown nose and, and do these things. And if you don't do those things then you're left behind and you're at the bottom of the rung. Literally, it's it's so like that. You have to be like, yeah, a very kiss ass, like with everyone there. You have to go to all these events. You have to go to these dinners, which they charge you for as well, which I'm yeah, like, come on, yeah. come on. Like I'm a student, how am I funding this? And yeah, so 
definitely that. I am, I'm a law representative. So the one time where I can actually speak out against people is at these meetings. I got voted as law representative. So I get to go to these events with like other professional law people, some like lecturers, teachers, and we basically just discuss how like the term is going. Um, and that's the one time where I could not be so like kiss us and be like, well, the law should improve here. And actually this needs to be improved. And I don't like this. Obviously I have to take like, I represent like a few hundred students at the uni, but yeah, I, I just, I love those meetings because I can really like voice my opinion in them because law is so like that show face, you know, all these, you want to get a training contract. So you want to go to all the employers you have to be so nice. And I'm just like, oh. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe this is like what, like law for you because I'm reading ahead we'll, we'll get into success because um <laughs> but I mean there is a lady in Denver and she's a queen and she's she bakes pies and her thing is she delivers the pies like and this is what she's doing with COVID she was a performer but she loves to make she loves to bake so she decided to turn her love for baking into a business and then she delivers the pies at, in drag and she sings into a microphone she's called the pie lady and that's it's like, so it's cool. like, that's what she's known for, right? Like, that's the brand. What okay. if your brand is like, you know, Cairo, mm -hmm. but also like, that's your shtick in law. You're like, I can also like officiate your wedding <laughs> as I'm helping you get divorced. No, I don't know what you want to do with law, but, but, um, but, but like, it's like almost like maybe that's your superpower and like what makes you unique to stand out. Um, do you, do your fellow peers, do they know that you do drag or is that something you keep kind of quiet? Oh, no, I, it's known. So at the <laughs> university, I am, um, obviously I'm part of the law society. I'm the law representative, but I'm also the president of the drag society. Ooh. So I'm, I'm like very much well known as doing both. I'm and a drag I'm not, society. What? Where was that in college for me? Honestly, like I, well, it was at my um, university and then I don't know, something happened and it got shut down. So then I brought it back. Um, so yeah, there's a, a big um, drag society. This is the last year, Yeah. Um, sadly. But yeah, so everyone knows I have the two quite, quite big roles. So everyone knows that I do both. I want to, well, at the end of the podcast, I, I mentioned um, this project that I'm working on, but in the next few, well, I'm going to wait till exams are over. So June time, the next few months, I'm working on doing like a YouTube series. It's been in the works for a very long time. <laughs> a lot of stuff? Yes. Yeah, that's so smart. It's like I'm going to do a kind of legal video once a week, maybe <gasps> more, maybe less, where I talk about weekly developments of LGBTQ issues. Yeah, it's so smart. Especially with a focus on like new laws and political issues surrounding the world of queer people because it's changing a lot. And it's not like, I think a lot of people think we're going in the right direction where we're really not like, there's like laws being reversed and there's rights being taken away and there's rights that weren't even there in the first place. So I'm gonna create like a thing where it's like the legal status of queer people all over the world basically. Um, yeah, and that should be coming after exam time, so June, July. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. I love that. You'll have to send me the link when it comes out. But let's move into success. I think success is so deeply tied to imposter syndrome, and I love that everyone can define it diff differently. So I'll just ask you, what does success look like to you, and do you feel successful? Success to me, I think being successful is very much, I think it's different for both my legal and drag career. 
so my legal career successful to me would just be having a steady job I mean I guess mm-hmm. they kind of interlink actually but having like a steady job you know I would love to work as a solicitor um, and earn a decent salary you know you all want to like settle down and live somewhere really nice um, and also just work in the legal profession as a queer African English person that's something I really want to do um, you know I was first pressured into law by my dad when I was like I think back in like high school sometime and then I've stuck with it because as I've got older and I've matured and I've learned about the law I really don't like how people who are also queer and people who come from the similar backgrounds of me are treated within the legal system and it's something I want to change and if I can be even like a little change in that then mm-hmm. that's successful to me um, yeah that's something I'm really passionate about Yeah, I I love that. And I think, um, you know, I always say like, you know, everyone defines it differently. Some people define it monetarily. Some people define it, um, you know, by just being happy. Some people define it by like the societal 2.5 kids, white picket fence, you know, um, thing. Um, And for me, um, I don't see, I'm, you know, I consider myself now a content creator, a former digital marketer turned content creator. But I mean, I've always been a content creator, whether it was for brands or myself um, or things I love and care about. So I don't know where this podcast is going to go, quite honestly. It's popping off in a way, but I'm, I'm, who knows where it's going? I have no idea. But do I feel successful with it? Hell yeah. And do I feel successful in my career, my marriage, those kinds of things? Yes. Does money make things easier? Always. Is it nice to have gainful employment? Yes. But do I need those things to survive? Not really. Um, because if I wake up and I'm not happy, then then what's the point? You know, like I, I think we need to be at the end of the day, be happy. So like, to your point, finding whatever legal profession you want to, to to specialize in and like hoping that that doesn't make you want to die a little bit inside every day, that's going to be successful for you, especially as you're getting your footing. Um, And so I love that. Definitely. And especially with law, when I was mentioning earlier, how people like to go up to law students and be like, wow, good luck finding a job. Do you know, just being comfortable in life, I think, after my law degree and getting a job, <laughs> like, but also being happy as well. Yeah. I'm always like, when it comes to exam season, <laughs> my friends laugh at me for this, but I feel like I have the right approach is that like, my friends will be up all night the day before an exam. And I'm just like, uh-uh, I, I need to go to mental health first. I'm getting that eight, nine hours sleep. I don't care if I haven't got it by 10 o'clock when I go to bed, then I haven't got it. Like I'm all, that's something that's- That's so smart though. That's so I, smart. I always put my mental health first. And I think I, I think I have to thank my mum for that because my mum has always been like, because I've, I've gone through school, I never was like this. I always put so much pressure on myself. And she was like, there will always be a way, you know? Um, and she's never pressured me. I know some people have parents that pressure them a lot with school. Mm-hmm. She never pressured me of anything. And so now I think that's gave me the right attitude where right? I always for my mental health first. Yeah. And I will never like go down like a hole of like depression or yeah. anything because of school. That yeah. will be, the, and because of drag or because of a profession, that will be yeah. something I will never ever do. Well, I appreciate that. And I think it's smart that you're young and you're coming into a career and you know this about yourself. But another thing that that I appreciate is that you are very passionate about social justice for, you know, you know, 
being someone that has a unique background and has looked at the world and is like, this is not cool. I'm not cool with it. I myself am someone who is very, very loud for social justice, but the fact that you can use your law degree to push that forward is something very beautiful. Um, and I think that you're able to use both platforms, the law and the drag to really educate people and ultimately end systemic, systemic racism and homophobia. Like you will be part of the solution, which that's got to feel successful too. Literally, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think with success as well, going back to the original thing, I think it's really subjective because mm -hmm. if you would ask me what success looks like to me or, or, or how I can be successful, it would have been a different profession. It, it, I mean, it might still have been law, but it wouldn't have been the same route. Um, and if you ask me maybe in a few months from now, it might not even be like going into like being a solicitor anymore. It might be something completely different. Um, yeah. But I always have that end goal of being like, you know, social justice is something because it's so real and it's it's going on everywhere. It's not something that can be ignored. Mm -hmm. um, I always have that as like being successful if I can make a change. But the way I get to that change and doing it yeah. is something that always changes for me. And I think it definitely will change in the future. Oh, you are such a light. I, I, I adore you. I think we've touched on imposter syndrome. I think we can say sashay away. Let's moving on to the best part of the show, which is, of course, I love to hear how my, my guest brains work. Um, I, I, I love to ask what things we're fanatical about on popular opinions. Um, and so we'll start with what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why I'll go first. Currently, I'm really fanatical about Target, which is a, it's like a, it's like a grocery store slash department store kind of thing. I'm, if you, if you're, if you're on TikTok, Cairo, then you might know about Target, but basically it's where you go in for one thing and you end up like spending $300. Whoops. Anyway, Target has really pivoted with the pandemic so well that like their technology is through the roof. Like you will know what aisle it's on if it's in stock and how many there are left. And they also allow you to do a pickup order. So I don't like going to the store, but I did today because um, I decided to make a bunch of Easter baskets for like my dog's best friends. And then, because I'm moving. So I wanted to, like I was being really extra and they ran out of the one thing I needed and they couldn't pick it in the pickup order. So I had to go into the store physically, but even so it just reaffirms, I love Target. And there's a debate because Walmart is seen as a little bit less less cool. Target is seen as Target, like it's fancy. <laughs> and um, Target is just absolutely, I will give them my money all day, every day. I'm also from Minnesota. They're a Minnesota company. Their technology is fucking baller. And um, yeah, I literally, the best day of Bourdain's week is a Target run day where I go and get, I pick up an order. And then like he always like he know he knows the car people that come to the car and he just starts crying because he can't meet them and then he then he pouts the whole way home he says you didn't let me meet them you didn't let me meet Target lady I'm like sorry buddy like we're going home I want I needed a, I needed I needed hard seltzer it's mom, mommy's had a day um so anyway that is um something I'm fanatical about so what are you fanatical about and why take it away so one thing so I've I've got three I've got two there and then mm -hmm. one that I I yeah that I've just thought of now and one thing that's like really exciting me and everything and I don't know why and it's been since like the pandemic is eyeshadow palettes now I don't know Ooh, are yes. you someone who do you play with makeup a lot oh girl um they I was not there the day we all learned to do makeup but um <laughs> and you are so lucky you had YouTube growing up like well I'm I'm okay so I'm 10 years older than you so I uh, so uh, like I'll be 32 in June so 
definitely um, different times. The internet was shittier and YouTube only had like Charlie bit my finger and like one other video. So like there was no, there was no, yeah, there was no like to make up tutorials. And then I was a broke ass college student. I couldn't afford anything beyond like wet and wild at the drugstore, you know? Um, the best eyeliner I ever got was from, it was a green eyeliner pencil from Boots. And I, I, man, I used to have, I'm like, if you're going to the UK, can you go to Boots and pick me up a green eyeliner pencil? And I would just use it all the time. Um, for the most part, no. Um, but I do have a bunch of really cool eyeshadow palettes. Cause I did an Ipsy subscription for a while during COVID. Cause oh, okay. it was too, it like, Ulta and Sephora were, were deemed non-essential stores, which are two of the biggest beauty brands. And then um, ever since talking to Gregory about like beauty exorcism, because he considers himself a beauty exor exorcist, like he does a bunch of makeup throughout. He's a makeup artist of the stars. He's been at Mac forever. Um, it's a really great episode. If you, if you haven't listened to it, you should definitely check it out. Um, but he said, you know, less is more, you know? And so he's like, less is more. And he's like, if you're not comfortable doing something, don't do it. And I've, I've kind of thought about that because there always felt, I hate to say it, imposter syndrome about makeup because it's like, I love makeup, but I'm scared I'm doing it wrong. And then mm -hmm. like, no one's been able to help me. And every time I've gotten my makeup done professionally, they do it. They all have a different style. So like, well, how am I supposed to figure this out? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What's a cut crease? Help. No, but I do have really beautiful eyeshadow palettes that I, I have and I love. So I'm with you. I'm fanatical about all the drops. Like there's a baby Yoda one. Like I wanted it. There's now a Lisa Frank one. I want that. Like go for I it. Literally, I, I love it so much. Um, like even I might have all these. I definitely have like every color, I think, because I have so many eyeshadow palettes. But if someone comes out of a different color story, even though I have those colors, I'm going to buy it. Like I just, I don't know. It makes me um get creative and uh, mm -hmm. one thing i um was going to mention was how like during the lockdown i think something that distracted my brain a lot was actually doing makeup especially Ooh. eyeshadow because eyeshadow is very like you can do different colors yeah and you can be more creative i think it really like distracted my brain from that like inner saboteur and that voice you know because i mean during the pandemic as well i lived for March, I was stuck in, um, this is March last year, I was stuck in university, so I was by myself a lot. And then I managed to get back home um, mm -hmm. the month after. But Where's home? Home is Oxford, and then okay. uh, university is a place called Newcastle. Oh my so, God, wait, 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 wait. Newcastle? I dated a Geordie. <laughs> oh, so there's, so it's around different the same Newcastle. place. Okay. But, <laughs> there's yeah there's two different Newcastles but they're both up north so okay. uh, I mean essentially the accent and everything is the same but, <laughs> but he wasn't fun Jordy like fun like let's party like Jordy he was like um live with my parents and my I refuse to get my license and I'm <laughs> I'm very sheltered and I love my cat Jordy oh okay which is not no no one no one knows that one <laughs> Well, I guess he had the right idea when it came down to lockdown and the pandemic. I yeah, guess. he was fine. He was fine. He was fine, probably, yeah. probably living with his parents still. <laughs> he probably loved it. But um, yeah. yeah, so, but a lot of the time um, I was alone a lot. So those voices that were like, you know, you're not good enough and all of that, the imposter syndrome came through a lot. But when it came to doing makeup, it was kind of like I can concentrate on something else mm -hmm. and it distracted me a lot. And so eyeshadow palettes... I think since the pandemic, I've loved buying them because they've always been like, they've excited me. They've kind of got me out of a bad place a lot. I mean, it sounds ridiculous because I'm talking about makeup, but it really has helped. 
Um, so yeah, any eyeshadow palettes, anyone drops a new eyeshadow palette, I'm going to buy it. I just brought the, oh, what's her name? It's a club, Avani. I, I don't know who Avani is. I think she's a TikToker, but she has a new eyeshadow palette out with Morphe. And I got it. I mean, I don't need it, but I still got it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm so excited to go play with that probably after this, to be honest. Oh, because, I love it. Um, because yeah. yeah, it's like a safe space for me. It's like, yeah, it gives my brain a break because I'm like an overthinker as well. I overthink everything. Oh, me too. I jump um, to conclusions. I, my, my husband, my husband's nickname for me is doomsday. <laughs> but I'm real. I, I think I'm being realistic. He thinks I'm being negative. I'm like, um, the, cause I have, my husband has anxiety and ADHD. I have anxiety and ADHD, but like mine is, I might not be on the right amount of medication because it's been a year and I'm on 10 milligrams of XR Adderall. I think I might need more because I'm very squirrely these days. Uh, or maybe it's just that I'm panicking because I'm like trying to hold everything. So yeah, I agree with you. Like I'm an overthinker, chronic overthinker. Oh, so hard to pull a trigger sometimes. <laughs> And so when my brain is like relaxed and I don't actually ever think is when I'm playing with eyeshadow palettes. So I tend to just like just play with eyeshadow because like I have my skin's a bit up and down. Sometimes I put foundation on it and I'll come up in a rash mm -hmm. or have loads of spots. Mm -hmm. But if I just put some eyeshadow on, my skin's fine and it's kind of like relaxed, yeah. you know, yeah. it's relaxing. I love um, that. I love it. So let's go into popular opinions. I'm not going to say one of mine because you have the funniest ones so far that I think I've seen. I, I highlighted it and I added a comment. I said, LMFAO, if it was one of my core. Um, you have some very, very hot takes, but I agree with them. So go All for right. it. So the first one, there was a study that came out. Did this come out in the US as well? Did you know about this before mm, I say it? No. <laughs> okay, I don't maybe. know who, who, who thinks that. <laughs> who knows? So there was a study um, and the result of it said that Prince William is the sexiest bold man, not just in the UK, in the world. I in the world. did not know that. Like, who was, who was it? Was that like, a, what, what's <laughs> the, the sun? Did the sun report that? Because the sun's a piece of shit. Was that that? Oh my, no, I didn't know that. And I'm like, I'm shook because I didn't, I was reading it. I didn't know what you meant. And then I looked below and I was like, oh, like, oh, those are all bought. Because I read, I read the um, Jamal Sims and someone else. Um, yeah, I agree. Vin Diesel isn't the rock bald. Literally, no, the, the rock yeah. made a statement. So this is so funny. I haven't read this. I, I had I haven't watched it, should I say? But apparently the rock has now made a video where he has said he demands a recount. He, oh which, my gosh, yes. Uh, and also like, another another sexy bald guy. Don't know why. It's the guy with the deep voice in Aqua. <laughs> Literally. Would, would do it. But Prince William, who came up with this? I, isn't he doesn't he's not even bald it's like a comb over literally he's i don't know who came up with this i don't know i don't know if it was the royal family like the press people who like it was megan markle <laughs> <laughs> just kidding no i bet you they're okay you know what i bet it was they were kicking they were kicking around ideas they're like okay sexiest bald man all right and they're like wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if we you know made fun of the royal family because we don't like the royal family uh, wouldn't it be funny to do that? And then they were like, and then it just like got printed. Like it just went through like four passes. No one noticed and it got printed. Did he do a photo? Oh. I have so many questions. I'm going to Google it, but like, okay, keep going. You can move I, on. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, that was the end of that. I don't, I don't think he's, maybe he does know. I don't know if he knows or not, but. This was two not. days ago. Oh my God. So I, I, <laughs> I don't know who, who came up with this. 
I don't know who you asked, first of all. <laughs> I want to know if anyone did participate in this and why they said him. <laughs> Is it because he's a royal? Hmm. It, it's okay the guardian is who who put it out so that's why <laughs> they're like we need some good press you know what after this Meghan markle shit we need some good press um yeah, storyboard 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 prince william <laughs> literally uh, did the royal set this up <laughs> this is set up <laughs> but um and then, so yeah, moving on from that, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, no, the next that's thing very wrong. is the UK and Meghan Markle. So this is a massive, like, hot topic, especially because of the thing with Oprah that just happened, which I think was big, like, worldwide. That wasn't just big in the UK. That was big everywhere, right? Uh, the, this Meghan Markle thing? Yes. Is that what you just said? Sorry. Yeah. So okay. with the Oprah interview was really big, like, everywhere. But was I didn't watch whole- it. I didn't watch okay. it because I don't because I don't care. <laughs> no, I get that. <laughs> Meghan Markle's that... annoying to me, but keep okay. going. I'll I'll, I'll expand. Who, it's like I know she was on she was on Suits, which is a law program, but I've never watched Suits, so I didn't know who Meghan Markle was before this anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's an assumption by like everyone. And I think maybe Americans as well, because I've seen a lot of Americans think this, especially on TikTok. It's come up on my For You page a lot, where they think that people in the UK are like besties with the Queen and the royal family and that we see them, you know, we go over there for like breakfast. Oh, we yeah, definitely. You, you hang out with the Queen. You have a kiki with the Queen all the time, I bet. This is what people think on TikTok. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, come on, like... <laughs> to be honest my family weren't um like big on the world I mean my dad doesn't my dad's like African he's originally he's Sudanese and Egyptian he doesn't care about the royal family and then my mom's just like she even though she's from England she's like yeah so I like yeah so well, I can go, say yeah, yeah. on a lot of like the younger generation that we understand how poorly like Megan was treated by the royal family and the double standards and the racism. I know you didn't watch it, but have you seen that main bit where Meghan and Harry both say that like, the royal family were like, well, how dark is this kid's skin gonna be? I don't know if you've seen that. Okay, so to unpack that there, I actually interviewed this guy, Migs. He's a singer songwriter, or he's a songwriter producer, and he is Portuguese. And like Mm -hmm. he was saying, and you might know this as well as biracial, like Mm -hmm. for some reason, British people just think it's, fully okay to like go up and ask about like where you're from why you're here like like about your skin color <laughs> it's bizarre and I don't know why and like I never really thought about it but it's like oh I guess like maybe it's just like you know societal systemic whatever but I, who gives a shit if the baby's dark like that's the, the point and then you know Megan Markle she she's always been a kind of I, I don't know she's been painted in a weird a weird way I don't know how I'm feeling about it I mm-hmm. I think I think you know you kind of signed up for the I hate to say that because I'm a military spouse and I hate it when people fucking say that to me oh you say up <laughs> for this but you did you signed up to be in the 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 limelight and I know this is going to sound very very unpopular and so um please don't come for me my listeners if you feel like but I don't like that she was like I was going to commit suicide it's like no you weren't shut the fuck up like there are people that are actually suffering yeah, I mean, for me, I think I, the way, because I, even though the interview was really big everywhere, um, was the treatment of the British press 
was that something of Meghan Markle? Was that something that was known in America? If you know, Mm-mm. no. So like, we didn't it know. was it was literally ridiculous. Like, oh, what was it? I think uh, there's this news article that happened. There was several news articles that basically was just painting Meghan Markle. Whatever she did, they were tearing her to pieces. Um, like I think there was a picture of her yeah. holding her baby bump and they were like look at attention seeking Megan and um, it's it's unfortunate that they're like Britney Spearsing her you know have you seen that documentary Free Britney I have not you actually. should if you can so um basically the press here's what I will say it's like I don't dislike Megan Markle I have opinions but they don't matter and I'm sad for her that this, that they're tearing her down and making her feel you know bad it's unfortunate that they're but the, you, there's lots of reasons they're doing it. And I've watched The Crown and I know this. She's mm-hmm. American. He married an American. Yep. That is the biggest thing. And so like, as for as much as you guys are not buddy, buddy with the royal family, and for the most part, like 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 the royal weddings, both of them, because like we don't have kings and queens. We have like Donald Trump, you know? Like we have people we don't want. I mean, we don't, even better. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Um, we, we don't have kings and queens and, and really any royalty, so to speak. So when the royal wedding, like Princess Diana, like all of those things, like those are sensationalized to us because that's been our entire reality um, of, of it. We don't, we, a lot of Americans will never leave America and they have like very strong opinions about the UK. So do I, do I feel bad that she's been painted in a bad light? Yes, I think it's sad. Mm-hmm. Am I concerned that it's about to be a Princess Diana situation? Not really. Like where where the press no. kind of, you know, victimized her and then eventually like that led to her demise. Like that, which was horrific. And my, like I said, my mom didn't get out of bed for a week. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, and not to say again that she signed up for it. She doesn't deserve any of that. But yeah. if the royal family didn't, it would have been so much, okay. So I'm choosing my words wisely here because I don't know truly what I'm talking about. So you can correct me if I'm incorrect. But oh, I'm kind of the same. If, to be honest, if Prince Harry, if they told Prince Harry, don't marry her because of the color of his skin and he truly loves her like he does, he would have been like, deuces, bitches. I don't want mm-hmm. my rights. Like, see you later. Because that's what his mom would have done. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't really know. And that, and that would have been shocking and sensationalized, but then they could have got galvanted off in the sunset and, and you guys could move on and, and talk about, you know, William being the sexiest bald man. So. Yeah. I mean, there was a moment where, and I do feel sorry for them. Um, they decided they didn't want to be a part of the Royal family anymore. They don't, they didn't want their duties or anything. And so he, Harry was cut off like altogether his dad wasn't talking to him and they also cut them off financially um which i mean i think he was probably doing okay anyway but they cut him off financially and i think they were in america when that happened so i know harry and megan were staying i might have got this wrong but was it ice cubes house ice <laughs> cube? no what? I... wait no really okay <laughs> i'm about to google megan markle it was where they ice were like cube it might not have been Ice Cube, but somebody. Ice Cube and Shaq, Shaquille. Okay, no, that's not right. Prince Charles no, News. Okay, Queens. Who's, but it was stayed. It was said in the interview. They Prince stayed, Charles. Okay, sorry, I'm reading. They I'm reading stayed this. like at somebody's house because they were cut off and they didn't know where to go. So another celebrity. I don't know why I thought Ice Cube. It's probably someone completely. It's different. because he has a quirk about ice cubes, is what the, the article <laughs> said. I don't know what that means, and I don't care enough to explore. 
<laughs> um, they stayed at some celebrity's house because they said that they didn't feel what happened back at the thingy. Um, the royal family's so-and-so um, when they stepped down from their duties. But I, what I will say about um, the, the press is that there was like, and I always think about this one article because they're written so close within each other and it really showed like the British press's like mind at the time is Kate Middleton was somewhere eating an avocado and obviously because that's so important they have to write a news article about that so they put it on there like Kate Middleton loves eating an avocado in the morning or something and then like coincidentally I think maybe like a few weeks or months later Megan was also spotted eating an avocado and this, the headline she doesn't laugh but this just shows how she was treated by the press it was like how Megan's favorite avocado snack is fueling human right abuses. And it literally said that is fueling human right abuses, drought um, and murder. Um, I'm sorry, I, what? I remember literally. I'm from the like, land of avocados in America. <laughs> what? Wait, was, I'm sorry. Is there some like underground drug trade to get avocados to the UK? Literally. What? <laughs> literally. Oh so, my God. Yeah, and it was like, okay, so you can see how different. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I definitely, like, we have that here too. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, um, um, but at the same time, I do understand that this was, you know, what they signed up for. I just feel like there's a double standard there. And I mean, I don't want anyone to like come after me, but you have to like question why that was. Is it because, I mean, it could be because she's American, because it be because of, she's biracial as well could it be because because of that could it be because of something else like there was such a like i don't know it just seems like they were always out to get megan i mean she was eating an avocado and they said that she was causing drought and murder in third world countries <laughs> so it's like you know yeah that, um, yeah I don't think it's unpopular and I hope that my listeners don't take that. I hate I, me as I hate Megan Merkel or anything like that. I would just like them to be able to live their life. Like just that my unpopular opinion is just like, let them, let them be like. Literally, and I hope after this interview, there's no more drama. I think we're all bored of it now. Like I don't <laughs> no more. Please just, you know, go your separate ways, I guess. Um, I, I don't want to see in the news anymore. To be honest. Yeah. 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 You're fine. Well, I mean, I don't want to hold you forever. We're, we're coming closer to the end and I'm going to skip the, the happiness question. Cause I think like we've touched on it anyway. Um, but, um, I always give my guests the opportunity to promote themselves and what they'd like to promote. So what would you like to promote? Okay. So I have a few shows coming up. These are virtual shows, um, because obviously the UK is in lockdown, so I can't leave my house. So I have a show called Halfway to Halloween, which I'm so excited about. It's a Halloween-themed drag show um, coming up at the end of the month. I don't know if this will be out by then. I'm not sure this is April 30th. It could be. It could be. Okay. Well, if Wait, it hold is, on. Let me look at my calendar. Because um, it's April 30th. It's called Halfway to Halloween because we're like at the halfway point to Halloween. I mean, it's the name of the show. And it's a horror show, which is my favorite type. It's a, it's a drag show as well. Mm. Um, it's like a, a drag show marking down the countdown to Halloween. Um, just going to be spooky. 
and really, really cool. Um, flyers out soon. So just throw my Instagram. If you do want more information about these, my Instagram is the Kara Ali. I have another show in June called the Kiel Finale Show, which I spoke about how I've lived in Newcastle and I have like a residency there. Well, with the Drag Society, that's coming to an end. So we have our finale show coming up in the june july time i mean you have to check my instagram because as soon as the flyers come out as soon as something's posted i literally promote it to death so if you go to my instagram you will know when this is happening but it looks amazing i will be hosting and performing there we'll have quite a few drag artists and you might see a familiar face from season 10 of rupaul's drag race but i mean i think i'm saying too much now because that hasn't been confirmed but there may be someone from rupaul's drag race also performing because it's a virtual show so so we can have you know the drag queens from the u.s season um yeah but yeah it. um oxford pride i'll be performing there and stoke pride again the dates are up in the air but you know general pride months that's when that will come out and that will be on my instagram um other things other things that are like not shows i have my own podcast which is coming in june called now are we gonna talk or are we gonna talk and it's um, a weird I better be on it. <laughs> Literally, it's, it's going to be like, it's me and my drag sister where we talk about hot topics. We're really inspired by like Wendy Williams. And also, I don't know if you've ever listened to Backseat Drivers before. No, but... It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like a talk show, but it's like a podcast thing where we talk about hot topics. Um, Love it. Drivers, we're really inspired by them. Um, we, we got the idea to do this because we've used an app called Stereo. I don't know if you're familiar with Stereo. Mm, no but uh yeah a podcast app but you do it live oh i have i have yeah okay yeah and we got good feedback i mean kind of shady because they deleted my account because of like i think i was playing music in the background (laughs) kind of shady but when we did do it um we got good feedback so we're now bringing it out as like a pre-recorded podcast um that's coming out in june again as soon as the flyers and everything's ready for that that will be on my instagram um youtube um, I already mentioned the legal video that I will have about the kind of weekly developments of LGBT uh, plus issues, just, you know, in the world and legal issues, politics, all of that. Um, in June and July on my YouTube, I also want to do a true crime series. Oh my God, um, I love true crime. Literally, this has been up in the air for a while because I've kind of, I've had to think about how I can like tell these stories because they are true crime but also do it in like a tasteful and respectful manner in drag as well it's kind of something I've been like pondering around because I don't want to like the last thing I want to do is like disrespect anyone Mm -hmm. especially because we're going to be talking about true crime stories but we've worked through it and June July that's coming out um and yeah I would just say Follow my TikTok as well, uh, which is the Kara Ali, I believe. I've just entered a contest, um, the Makeup Revolution Creator Contest, and the winner of that gets, I think, their own like collaboration with Makeup mm. Revolution, which is like oh my my gosh. makeup brand. So if you could support me on that on TikTok, I would be like so happy. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. And you know, all my listeners know that all the descriptions or all the links will be in the description. Um, I, I believe you have a, I, I added you on Facebook. I believe you have a link tree. So just send me your link yeah. tree and I can just, okay. whatever you need, send me that so I can put it in here. But to my listeners, of course, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, the podcast about imposter syndrome. And we were so blessed and honored to meet Cairo Ali. She is doing some beautiful stuff with the world. I'm excited to see where you go. I, I, I'm really thankful that our paths have crossed because you are such a lovely human. If I can think of any opportunities I can send your way, I will, um, which I do. I'm a very much a networker hype man for my friends. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much. Uh, I hope that you have a lovely weekend and you go get through all your exams and you just make that coin and that dollar and we will speak soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, when I have my own podcast running, I would love to have you as a guest. So look out for that as well, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. You enjoy your evening. We will talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.